last week, uh, if you missed it, you missed a good one. Um, uh, anybody remember uh, what the key thing was? I had the word I thought a week stall. Don't bypass the stall. Don't bypass the stall. Karen and I had a chance to actually practice that. There was something that came to our mind. We were going to like engage, and who knows what would have happened. Like make things much worse. And so we stepped back and said, "Okay, Lord, we're giving it to you. We're going to wait." Um, and uh, I love that. <clears throat> Don't bypass the stall. So this summer, I, I think this is a, a, a wonderful idea for us to write our own song. And uh, I want, I, you might even consider writing a family song, okay? I love family traditions. That would be a great one to add to your tradition, whether it be Christmas, uh, now, Easter, but a family song. You think about what the little ones would add to your song, like thank you for ice cream, or who knows what, but uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, as Justin said last week, uh, some of the songs that uh, David wrote, and he wrote about half of them, 73, I think, um, are attested to him, but uh, he just threw it out there. And uh, so this thing, if you write your own song, don't try to make it perfect, okay? Some things need to be perfect. Uh, I had a favorite uncle. Um, when he died, my cousin decided to honor him and uh, make a monument for him. And so he did. He collected family money, and we made this mon monument on Tri-Cities Golf Course on the sixth hole. There's a bench that says Lord Lloyd Ferris on it, spelled incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> Some things you want to get right, but this thing... It's, it's way better just to do it. And uh, I think you'll be encouraged uh, when you do. And I'm going to add something to uh, what Adam Young had to say here. I think he missed something big in helping you write your psalm. That's what we're going to talk about. So this Psalm uh, 103 um, is a pretty unique psalm. It's, uh, in fact, the, the song we just sang, if I understand right, Brandon, you correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is Matt Redman wrote 10,000 Reasons based on this song. Yeah. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Glad I got one thing right today. <laughs> um, and uh, I want to just talk quickly about David for those of you who aren't acquainted with him. Um, quite a man. <clears throat> um, he, uh, he was anointed uh, king at about age 18 by Samuel. Okay. Now Saul's the king. If you remember, Israel wanted a king like all the other nations. They picked the wrong guy. It was kind of an Arnold kind of guy. Looked good, but wasn't a lot underneath there. Um, and, uh, and so Samuel anoints David. And then David has his engagement with Goliath. Okay. David Goliath, great story. I, I love the quote. Uh, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? As a young man, he stands up and does that. So, uh, and then um, he, uh, Saul knows that he's anointed king. And he's called in to play music for Saul to comfort him. So he's a musician. When he was anointed king, he was, he, you know, he's the last of the, of the brothers. He's up, like, from here to Lakeland Hills, up in the hills, tending sheep. They don't even call him. Samuel goes through all the sons of Jesse trying to find who am I anointing? 
You got any other sons? Well, yeah, we got one up tending sheep. That's David. That's where his character, I think, was formed. He, uh, so Saul knows he's anointed king, but he doesn't want to give up the throne. And David begins fighting alongside Saul, and he, he gets more famous than Saul. Of course, he has the Goliath thing going, and Saul gets jealous. And so he hunts David. Now, I think that's significant because we've all experienced fear, but not like that. There's a death squad assigned by Saul, and Saul says, okay, I'll move. So, like, I'll move to Centralia. Death squad comes there. I'll move to Yakima. Death squad comes there. I'll move to Montana. And, and so this, the, this forming of his character is pretty significant in my view. It, he's experiencing something we have never seen. And then um, he didn't bypass his thought. He's a great example of the sermon last week. He's anointed king. He has several occasions to kill the guy trying to kill him. And he says, I'm not doing it. Lord, that's, that's up to you. I'm, he's your anointed. If you want him out, you take him out. And God does. But he, he, he doesn't bypass the stall. He waits. Um, he's, he also, a famous time, when he brings the ark into Jerusalem, he dances almost naked. Uh, Saul's daughter is disgusted. Um, and the people are like, whoa, what's going on? And he's dancing as the ark comes into uh, to Jerusalem. So he, you know, he's, he's effervescent. He's, uh, he, he's quite a guy. <laughs> and, um, and then, of course, near the end of his life, uh, got the story of Bathsheba. He's, he's bored. He doesn't go to war. He's a man of war. He has temple plans to build the temple. God says, no, you're a man of war. And so he's bored. He looks out, sees Bathsheba, commits adultery, and kills her husband. That's, and yet he's a man after God's own heart. And you're going to see it in this song. So um, there's, a, there's a line in it, and I'll, I'll read it. I was going to wait to read this, but I'm going to read the whole psalm, and then we're going to read it together. We're going to stand up at the end and read the psalm together. But let me just give you a context. Bless the Lord, O my soul. There it is, what we just sang. Now, he says that five times. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with, a steadf with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So that's the tip that he probably wrote this later in life. Now, he, he was king for 40 years, anointed at 30. He died at 70. So I'm three years away from that. So I think maybe that's why this psalm hit me as I... I it kind of spoke to, to where I am in the phase of life. I think that he wrote this. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all those who are oppressed. He made known his ways, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, 
So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are, uh, we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is God, and in its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him, and his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all you, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all of his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So he starts and ends with bless the Lord, O my soul. Um, so like I said, he likely wrote this later in life. Spurgeon said, we should, we should attribute this psalm to his later years when he had a higher sense of the preciousness of pardon because a keener sense of sin than his younger days. His clear sense of the frailty of life indicates his weaker years, as also does the very fullness of his praise and gratitude. The idea that David, like what we want, his heart as he aged got softer, not harder. Mm. Now, I just want to confess, I've been, I've been reading the scriptures. I mean, think if, if the scriptures were the ocean, I've been going about 50 miles an hour over the ocean. That's how I've been reading the scriptures, as a confession. Um, and you know... It's cool. The ocean's beautiful when you're on it, going 50 miles an hour, and you smell it, and you get the spray in your face. But the beauty of the ocean is what's underneath it, and it's the exact same with scriptures. Um, the mystique, the intrigue, the wonderment, the excitement. And one of my prayers today is to help you be encouraged to look a little deeper. Uh, don't do what I had been doing. Now, in this psalm, you're going to, you know, we talk about a promise to claim, an example to follow, a command to keep us in the confess. This is unique because in this psalm, he never asked for anything. One of, maybe the only, this is the purest psalm of worship that we have. Because he, there's no circumstance, there's no petition, there's no complaint. He's not asking God of anything. He's just speaking who God is. Um... Now, we don't know his state of mind when he wrote it, but I'm going to guess because he, he was a flawed man, just like all of us, that there were occasions when he struggled with his spirit, with, with his worship and connecting to God. And that's why I think he says, come on, souls, let's go. Let's praise the Lord. He's helping himself. He's speaking it out. Come on, soul. Let's do Let's do it. Let's put God in his rightful place. Um, and I just want to make a, speak a quick word about worship. Uh, worship is ascribing worth to God. Karen and I had an argument about the word worship 20 years ago. It's just a churchy word. You know, it's kind of weird. Uh, at least it was to us. Worship just means ascribing worth to God. It is not music. It can be music. When we say, 
Sometimes we, we substitute those two words together, but worship is much bigger, okay? Uh, you can worship doing anything. And I think anytime you're mindful of the Lord, there's an aspect of worship in it, except using His name in vain, okay? Um, it's an act of our will. Uh, a scholar named Morgan says, the one value of these opening words is that they show us that worship is not involuntary, automatic. It calls for the coordination of all our powers. The sanctuary is not a lounge, a place of relaxation. We should enter it with all the powers of personality arrested, arranged, and dedicated. Then we, we may render a service of praise that's worthy and acceptable. When we despair, our pathway out is worship. <clears throat> to center yourself with who God is and what he has done. See, you can withhold worship from God. It's, it's a matter of choice. You don't, our flesh doesn't take us to worship. It's an intentional act. And when we gather here, we do that for the purpose of us worshiping together. There's something for us and for the Lord when together we call ourselves into his presence and we speak his name. It's really difficult, and I've probably said this before, but if you're in Brandon's shoes or Darian's shoes or anybody's on the stage, you walk in here and you expect them to ramp you up in five minutes and give you this feeling of exaltation. It's, it's really hard for them to do that. I, as a, I don't understand music. I'm music ignorant. But um, I do know this, is that the more we worship throughout the week and, and ascribe worth to God, when we walk in here, it's way easier for them because they're just carrying us in another place together. Okay? So please get your expectations in alignment and understand that, that worship, you can worship when you move a lot. My... My best remembrance of worship this week was the O'Connors took us on a, on a walk up in, it's called the Staircase uh, at Lake Cushman. And it is unbelievably beautiful. The trees are just monumental. And I just, it just caused me to worship. Yeah. And we have times like that. But there's other times like this for David where he's going, come on, come on soul, let's go. Yeah. When we're stressed, when we're derailed, if you think of a train and it's off the tracks, worship is the last thing you want to do. It, it's, it's, it, it's part of our flesh, okay? Worship is a spiritual act. If you can't worship, if that is really foreign, really foreign, now you can, you, like a baby, you get, you get better at things. But if, if you just can't do it, ask God. To help you ask, maybe the Spirit of God is not, doesn't indwell you. It's a spiritual work. It's also, it's like other things. Um, like, the question I have for the potters for the marriage thing is, how is it that you never fight? Because they never fight. That's, that, I'm just giving you my question right now. You can do that. And then can you focus on the submission thing? But uh, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Your flesh doesn't want to do that. Just like worship. Wives, submit to your husbands. Flesh doesn't want to do that. 
Submit to the government. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Be generous to the Lord's work and others. Pray continually. Say no to sin. Say yes to righteousness. The flesh takes us away from all those. Okay? Same with worship. It's the spirit that calls us into worship. Yeah. Um, so how do you get there? If, if it's not our nature, how do we engage in worship? How do we bring our hearts intentionally to bear? Um, it's not by having more. Okay? My friends in Sierra Leone, I'm always humbled by their appreciation for God and what he's done. I would love for you to experience the music and, and the gathering amongst them. It's, it's another world. And so little. Um, and just an advertisement. I'm going there at the end of next month. I appreciate your prayers. I'm taking an old friend. Don't know where he is spiritually. Um, my old best friend. And um, yeah, you can pray for that trip. And uh, we'll be doing our training. But we're in the process now of engaging with uh, a group called To Every Tribe. And we're now recruiting missionaries for the field long-term for Sierra Leone and structuring that so it's, it's a, a good thing. So we've taken those steps and I appreciate your prayers for that, please. Now back to the song. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Again, he's, he starts with this, come on, so get your act together and bless the Lord. Now I've always thought it was weird. I've heard people say, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. And I thought, Huh? I'm singing, bless you. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> um, uh, can you bless the Lord? He's got everything. He's got all the harmonies covered, right? What can you give God? Well, you can bless the Lord. 30 times in Scripture, whether you're praying, you're obeying, you're, you're singing, you're thanking, you're, you're serving. Those are all blessings of God. And don't forget, I think it's always, I always need to remember, God has feelings. He's holy. He only does what's good, right, and perfect. But God has feelings. We're made in His image. He gave us feelings. He has feelings. And we can bless Him. So He employs this tool to get Himself started. And that's what I'm saying. It's not in this sheet. Okay? Say Adam Young, add this to your sheet. He uses a tool. It's as basic as a hammer is to a carpenter, or flour and sugar is to a baker, or uh, a shovel is to a gardener. It's that basic. In fact, when I say it, you're going to roll your eyes. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. But I believe that when you can't get your get your soul going, this is the step you take. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna describe what this is and see if you can guess. I'm free. There's no cost to me. Oftentimes people who have more possessions have less of me. Sometimes people who have less have more of me. For people to embrace me as a lifestyle, I must be taught and modeled. Oftentimes young people have less of me. And older people have more. However, a three-year-old can have as much of me as they want. If you practice me, you'll have more of me. 
I tend to decline and lessen in your life when I'm not used. And I'm essential to joy and contentment. Whatever. You win. <laughs> Free trip to Hawaii. <laughs> Paid for by Justin Westcott. Because it is a trip to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. So in verse 2, if, you, if you're looking at the scriptures, he says, uh, Bless the Lord again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's not forget his benefits. So he's talking to us. He's talking to himself. He's talking to us. Let us not forget his benefits. And so he lists them. And the benefits that he lists are magnanimous. They're huge. They're the big ones that only God can do. I mean, there's little things. Like uh, Justin and I have an acquaintance when we ask for, hey, what's God done in your life? It's always to do with traffic. God gave me a green light here, or I had no traffic going to the airport. And we're always thinking, well, you can do that. That's cool, and it's good to appreciate that. But what David lists is the things that nobody else can do. Okay. So in verse 3, he forgives and he heals. Who he forgives all your iniquity and heals all your disease. Mm. Only God can do that. Mm. By his stripes, we are healed. So uh, Keller says, well, Keller and Clowney did the preaching thing that Christ is throughout every word in the Bible. But I love the idea that you can find Jesus in every song. Yeah. Okay? Well, here he is. How did he, how did he forgive our iniquities? Through Christ. Who redeems your life from the pit. He made legal payment for our soul through his son, the death of his son. That's redemption. That's what redeem means. And then, didn't leave us there, then crowns us. Okay, so that's a, an idea of looking forward to heaven. I mean, we live in victory now, kingdom now, kingdom next. But, but the idea of heaven, of what eternity will look like in his presence, he blesses us. Who satisfies us with the good. Okay, like before Jesus, God is good. We don't have to look elsewhere for, this, for satisfaction. There it is. So that your youth is renewed like eagles. Now that's the one that comes because that's what I need. Okay? I need my new youth to be renewed as eagles. I wish I were an 80-year-old, or I hope to be an 80 or 90-year-old who's thriving. You hear about them all the time. But Karen and I uh, got a little disgusted with the fact that everybody's playing pickleball now. And <laughs> had a court forever. And uh, we're out there like uh, two old people trying, <laughs> trying to make it work. And, and uh, We'd love to have our youth renewed as eagles, but also, I mean, not just in the physical form, but the, the heart and the mental. And God can do that. He can. He, re he renews us. He, he provides us strength. Verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed in this life and the next. He made known his ways to Moses, so historically, throughout time, he's, he's, he's spoken of himself. So this is a, a reference to Ex, a re, Exodus 34. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So when he passes by Moses and describes himself, the first word he uses is, I'm the God of compassion. 
And, and David's bringing that forward to help us remember. So he's not just done it once, just at a moment in history. He's done it throughout time. And then he recorded it for us. He will not always try to keep his anger forever. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. Now David would be pretty cognizant of that one. Murder and adultery. Um, that would be pretty high on the list, but um, stuff not to do. And so if David can feel clean, I've used this many times, because when you're talking to somebody, and you're trying to help them realize, look, Jesus can make you clean. He can remove your sin from east to west. There's no condemnation, Romans 18, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? You know, you can say that, but a person, it's hard for them to receive it. David is the example. When you, you didn't murder somebody, and you didn't commit adultery, or if you did, you're forgiven. Okay? You can be. You can be made clean. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Thank goodness. Thank you, Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love for those who fear him. So that's a metaphor, a hyperbole, trying to help you understand the love of God. Whether David knew it or not, our universe is seven trillion light years from end to end. That's how much he loves us. As far as the east is from the west, okay, east never means west. That's the idea. You can keep going east, and east is still east. And you're never, I mean, we have geography, we say we're in the west, Asia's in the east. Okay, that's how we configure our world. But the truth is, you can keep going east forever, they never meet. That's what he's saying. That's how far he's moved, removed our sins from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And we're going to talk about these three conditions. That's one of them, the fear of the Lord. And the idea, and I've said this before, the fear of the Lord isn't trembling fear. The fear of the Lord is to, to live as if he's right by you. He sees all you do. He hears all you say. He knows all you think. And because you're aware of that, your life is different. That's the fear of the Lord, in my view. That's my explanation. For he knows our frame and he remembers we are dust. And the word dust is like, there's soil that has utility. Dust, no utility. That, that's how we compare to God. Now, I want to ask you some questions. Just think these questions through in your head. My point is this. For asking questions. What he has done is he, he, he says, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna catalog the blessings of God. And I am gonna create gratitude first. I'm gonna be thankful first. I have a lot to be thankful for, sometimes I'm gonna forget. So he lists them out. That's what he's done. So the first step towards worship when your heart isn't going, in this example, is David saying, What I have to be thankful for. Boom, 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 boom. Now, let's test your heart on thankfulness. Do you feel like you have a lot to be thankful for in your life? Do you give thanks? 
If you made a list of things you're thankful for, would that list be very long? How many minutes in the last year have you taken to thank God? Did Adam up? And on that list, was there anything that David said? Or is it thank you for, you know, I mean, stuff you like, stuff you're grateful for. But did you miss the big ones? When you look at the world, how many things can you be grateful for? Do you feel like your appreciation for life and other people has grown stronger as you age? Do you frequently experience moments where you appreciate someone or something and honor the Lord by thanking Him? When you see something that makes you feel good, do you connect it? That's because I have a good God or not? Again, it's a muscle, it's a practice. Most importantly, do you direct your gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord or somewhere else? I got lucky. Anybody buy a lottery ticket last night? Okay. Not to say that God would bless you if you want it. Um, your blessings aren't luck. They're from the Lord. Every, everything we eat is from the Lord. Right? Is it too much to ask that we be thankful? So... My appeal when you're writing your psalm, and I hope you do, is catalog some things that you're thankful for. You don't have to write them all out, but start there. And when you look at that, what you're thankful for, what it's going to do, it's going to cause your heart to come up to God. That's what he did, I think. He was struggling. He's aging. He's got remembrance of, of you know. I mean, they said, uh, Dave, uh, they sang these songs after battles. Saul's killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. Now, if anybody had PTSD, I would say David might be on that list, right? Plus, the other stuff he did. Um, and so he, he writes his heart by cataloging the things he's thankful for. So what I'm, my, what I'm saying is gratitude and thankfulness are the entry point to worship. It's the oil that gets the machine going. It's kind of the fulcrum that helps push you forward. And if you find that, again, worship is forced and foreign, perhaps consider starting with gratitude. I hope you write your song, and I hope you'll think about that. Now, this idea of gratitude, it's, it's throughout the Bible. So if you look at Colossians 3, Steve's going to pull it up. I'm going to read this verse. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive one another, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above, above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which, in which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. There it is. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing you, like richly, look deeply, like I just said. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, as we just did, and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thankfulness in your hearts. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. Thanks. So thanks is in there three times. Pretty important. 
It's not hard to do that. It's pretty easy. You just take a step back and look. So <clears throat> these things that he's listed are deeply held convictions. Mm. That's where he goes when he needs help. Those need to be our deeply held convictions. That he's forgiven our iniquities. That he's um, healed our diseases. Redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. When life happens and the storms come, that's not the time to try to form them. Mm -hmm. That's when your convictions come forward. And, and our convictions have to be remembered and rehearsed. He knows we're flawed people. We're made of dust. Okay? What we, what, what we remember yesterday, we forget today. That's the purpose of the scriptures. That's the purpose of helping us um, and, and rehearsing and coming back to God and remembering what he's done. They need to be the bedrock of our hearts and minds. So in the psalm, David is preaching to himself, but he's also preaching to us. He's preaching to the angels. He's preaching to the heavenly host. And then he says, in all dominion. He's calling us all to this. And the Spirit of God will help him write it. <clears throat> so these convictions for him are kind of like what we call the four G's, right? So I mentioned God is good. We don't have to look elsewhere for satisfaction. God is glorious. Only God's opinion matters. He's gracious. We don't have to earn his love. And he's great. We don't have to be in control. So he's, he's kind of having, we package that in a way to remember. I love those things because I can remember them. But this is what, this is the same thing for David, his core convictions. If you were to, if, if you were to talk to somebody about who God is and they didn't have a clue, if you just read this, they would, they would be way farther understanding who God is. Just these words, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you're in a struggle of trying to defend God, just read that. Read that to him, or have them read it. So David reminds us that all of life is temporary and quick. Uh, Kyle and Rebecca just moved into a new home, and I was there the other day, and uh, the person, it's a 1940s home in which a builder redid it. And every square foot, I can sit there and I can look at this guy's craftsmanship and skill and his patience and his, his work, the time he took, it overwhelms me. So cool. I mean, I can't even stand the door between my kitchen and, you know, we, we hide it's a pocket door. We just keep it up shut because it got ruined, okay? So I look at this guy's ceiling, like, wow, this is amazing. And yet, I grieve for him because I know that as he left that house, he left a part of himself it's going to be gone. And that's the, that's the case with all of us. It's fleeting. We can't take it with us. And that's why eternity has to be on our mind. Lastly, David reminds us that God is supreme. Um, we don't vote on God. It's a theocracy, not a democracy. Our opinion doesn't change God. If the whole world would deny him. He's still God. He's supreme. The question is, what are we going to do? Not what everyone else is going to do. I love the fact when he calls the heavenly host, the planets, to also praise God. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he has three qualifiers here. Those who fear God, 
those who obey God. There's a proper response to God's love and mercy, and it's to surrender. If you've never done that, or if you've done it 10,000 times, do it again. <clears throat> In our fleshly minds, and our world creates fake news about God. You hear a lot about fake news. There's a lot of fake news about God. And it probably starts right here, in our own mind, with our own flesh. It's the word of God that rewrites, uh, recenters us. Okay? And then those convictions can come forward. Um, and lastly, when we look at those who obey God, or those who fear God, uh, the verse that I've been dwelling on this summer is uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 7, uh, 7.17. It says, let each person lead the life the Lord has assigned to him mm. and to which God has called him. Mm. Yeah, that's good. God's given us all an assignment. Mm. Many, many. They change throughout time. Mm -hmm. The question is, are we going to surrender to his assignment? I have a little ad little pitch for it, an assignment if you'd like another one. Um, the city of Federal Way has decided to do something about homelessness. Uh, there's a Christian um, city council guy named Jack Dovey uh, that we've known a long time, and he has taken federal funds uh, that has been allocated for the city and got a city council to, to set it aside to help with homelessness. $250,000. And so what he wants to do is he wants to prevent people from getting homeless. <clears throat> and even though the reason that everyone is homeless isn't just finances, it is a contributing factor to why some people get pushed into cars and on the streets. And so what he wants to do is pay for Financial Peace University, the Dave Ramsey thing, which is so weird that the Lord would have led us to do the Dave Ramsey thing in our missional community this year. We did it. And now he wants to do it and he wants to pay for it. And so 40 people are going to start September 14th on Thursday nights at 6.30 at the community center where they'll have paid child care. And for older kids, they'll have a homework group. Mm. And it's all paid for. And if they finish it, they get 100 bucks. Ooh. So I mean, it's almost too easy. And what we want to populate that with is the people with the most need. But anybody can come. It's just for, it's federal people. And I'm trying to recruit people, not who have financial acuity, just to make friends. So I'm going to ask our missional community, for nine weeks, could you please go and just try to make a friend there? So and cool. and I, what I need your help with is, first of all, to pray that the Lord puts the people there that should be there. He puts the people there who wants to make relationships and make friends. See, the problem with this program is that by the time you're learning week nine, you haven't implemented week one. Mm. So you can go through the whole thing, and I was explaining to the city, like, the fact that we spend the money and we do the class, that's not the goal. The goal is for people to do this, for them to have freedom and, and to understand how to handle finances. And, and that, what we've come to realize is it really is way better to have a friend help you, as it is with exercise or anything else in life. And so that's one assignment you might think, or you might, um, and, and nobody's gonna be able to be there every week for nine weeks. I'm gonna be gone in Africa, and then we're gonna be gone again, and so that's gonna happen, but um, I think it's pretty exciting yeah. that somebody 
took city money or federal money and wants to apply it in this way. And now we went through it. The critique with FPU has been the fact that it's gospel light. It's been redone, and he makes a clear call to Christ in, in the video. In fact, he would say the financial part is not that important. The peace is Christ. Mm. That's a quote in it. Okay? But the, the, the beauty is, is we have a venue um, to hang with people who don't know Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Why not? So cool.